Mr. Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Hey, hi, hello. What's up, gang? How are you? It's very early. Uh, did not get around to recording the header yesterday because I went to go and see Idols in Phoenix with my old friend Ryan McKee, who I've been friends with for, Jesus, 20 years now. Um, so much fun. Idols are such a great band. Uh, you should check them out if you haven't heard them. Weird times in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I was running a couple of days ago. I, um, I'm i sort of still... In getting back into it from COVID and uh, August in Phoenix is sort of like the dead of winter here where it's just the worst month. Um, but I woke up at 4 a.m. the other morning randomly. I think my cat fucking meowed at me and dragged myself out of bed. Got out running with the dog and um, I came up on... I was running along the canal, and I love running the canal because there's always uh, great homeless people along there. And I I take pleasure in just making eye contact with every person I come across and saying, hi, hello, how are you, good morning. The um, It's a thrill to see homeless people's faces light up when somebody just fucking acknowledges their humanity in a basic way. Um but I was running along the canal with Sadie, and then on the other side of the canal, I saw a, um, a couple walking really closely together, and uh, I was like, oh, that's cute. And then I heard them yelling, and I was like, oh, that's that's less cute. And then as we approached the intersection at 19th, I could see that the guy, um, it was like a... A man of indeterminate age, uh, scarred by methamphetamine, just leathery and scarred. The um, and he had his hand uh, gripping the woman's, uh, like her collarbone tightly. Uh, a woman with green hair, and I was like, "This is this is not a good scenario." Um, so I sort of fell in behind them to try and figure out what was going on. And as I got closer. I could see that the guy, um, he was holding her uh, with his left hand and then he had his right hand behind her back and he had something black in his right hand and I was like, oh my fucking God, does he have a gun? And no, it was the handle of a machete that he had. He had it to her neck, but he had it angled down so that people couldn't see. And I didn't have my phone on me because I don't run with my phone because... That's sort of why I run is to get away from my phone for a minute. Um, and I was like, you know, if I try to, if I try to sweep this guy's leg, like he's not stabbing anybody currently, but if I try and sweep his leg, maybe he stabs her, maybe he stabs me, maybe everybody gets stabbed, you know, the, um, or maybe he fucking hacks my dog or something. You know, I could let Sadie off the leash, take the leash, put it around his neck. You know, all this stupid shit in my head. But there was a City of Phoenix truck there um, working on the canal. So after I saw the machete, I ran over to the City of Phoenix truck. And I was like, yo, call it in. And the guy looked at me stupid. And I was like, that guy's a fucking machete. Call it in. Call 911. Call the cops. You know, the... Um, and then I was sort of, I waited there with him for a minute to make sure that he actually did it. And they were getting a description from him and I gave him the, you know, street intersection. Okay. They're headed this way, headed that way. And then I looked up and I saw the couple 
had disappeared uh, down the bridle path. So I, I was like, well, I can't just like fucking let them get away. So I sprinted after them with Sadie. Sadie was so happy at this point because she's like, well, you're finally not slowing me down anymore. Like we can finally fucking open up a little bit. And, um, so we just went for it, sprinted, um, down there and I turned off, um, and I looked at one plate, you know, looked down one street, didn't see them, ran down to the alley, didn't see them in the alley, ran down to a third street. And I was like, I, f- I feel like this is the one, I feel like this is the spot. So I ran down that street with Sadie and then came to a house and the dude with the machete, um, was there with the girl and he had the machete like out, not swinging it anyway, but definitely like menacing people with a very, um, Pirates of the Caribbean vibe, the, not Johnny Depp, but one of the other players. And then he was, I don't know if there had been some argument or they left. I sort of ran, um, not closely behind them, but close enough that I could sort of see what was going on. And then I, I saw at the end of the street, there were, you know, some a couple of cops bumbling around. And so I waved my arms and pointed at him and I was like, you know, yo, this, <laughs> this is the machete dude. And cops saw him and yelled at him to stop and apparently he'd been through this drill before because he dropped the machete and laid out you know lay face down on the concrete and they got him stuck around long enough to to make sure that the cops didn't stomp him or something like that but um and then (laughs) then i ran home you know and uh got a good charlie horse in my right calf for my troubles um because i was not sort of ready to sprint like that that's not the end of the story. Um, got home and sort of chilled out for a second. Then I was putting more windshield washer fluid in my truck. And I looked over across the street and there was a homeless dude with his shirt off. With his head leaning against a chain link fence. My neighbor's chain link fence. And I was like, oh man, he's casing my neighbor's yard like I gotta go and talk to this guy like and then I sort of watched him for a minute and he didn't move and then I was like this guy's having a fucking stroke so I went over there and I was like hey buddy how you doing and he turned around and he was just crying he was crying really hard you know um white dude, maybe my age, uh, I don't know, maybe 35 unfortunate tattoos to be sure. And, uh, you know, he was wearing flip flops and he had some food items that were sort of scattered on the sidewalk. And I was like, I was like, buddy, it's really hot out here. Let's get you out of the heat. And there's a shady spot here in the alley. You know, so I sort of helped him get his stuff up and walked him over to the shady spot. And I was like, just hang out here. I'll, I'm, I'm going to bring you a cold drink. And I went back in the house to grab a seltzer. My last seltzer, by the way, my last seltzer. I am a hero. And I went back um, and I grabbed an old pair of running shoes for him. Because he just had the flip-flops. And I you know, went and I was like, you know, these shoes are too big. But they, they might help you. And uh, I gave him the drink. And he was just crying and crying. And, and I leaned down, um, you know, to sort of like you know, shake his hand or whatever. And I was just like, man, you know, it's going to get better. And I grabbed his hand and he just, he just grabbed onto me and hugged me real hard. And I hugged him back and he was, he, he just, 
held on to me and cried really hard for a long time. Long enough that it got me going too. And uh, I just said, you know, it's it'll get easier. I promise it's going to get easier. You know, and I don't know what he was going through, if he was kicking something. or I asked him if he was kicking drugs, and he said no. Or maybe he lost a friend or something, but... Man, uh, definitely fucked up day. That I mean, August in Phoenix for the homeless people here, it's it's so brutal for them. I mean, they've, they've just been so exposed for such a long time. Everybody's coming apart. Um, but yeah, it was such a weird fucked up day. Um, you know the you know the politics of of running. Anyway, today's guest is. Uh, friend of mine Shauna Christmas I adore Shauna I, I met her in Denver and uh, she was hosting an open mic and just seemed to be having a fucking blast up there and it struck me that she was um, a tremendously fearless comic and we got to be real good friends and then we weren't friends at all for a minute and then we figured it out and now we're friends again and I had to have her on the podcast because um I don't know. She's so funny. She's so insightful. She's been through so much shit. Um, and she's not afraid of tough conversations, of weird conversations to sort of just like speak the naked, ugly truth about um, what it's like to be a black woman in America, what it's like to be a black woman uh, doing comedy. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I value so much uh, about my friendship with her is how little we have in common, how, how different our experiences are moving through the world. And uh, I fucking learned so much from having Shauna in my life and, um, and her, her just being incredibly patient and generous when I'm like, Hey, I have six dumb questions to ask you on this phone call. The, um, She's a tremendous comic. Uh, Absolutely, you got to check her out when you have a chance. And uh, yeah, please enjoy this conversation with my friend Shauna Christmas. Hi, Shauna. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. I took a poop a little bit ago, so I'm feeling a little bit lighter, you know? (laughs) The, you got a big poop energy. Yeah, right after work, you know, just kind of flush out the day. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of meetings going on, so you got to go straight to the bathroom when you get off of work. Yes. Important. The, um, <laughs> my dog, whenever she takes a dump, she just the then she's just she's full of joy. The maybe that's what joy um, is—just the absence of shit. Yes, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, that like, is, I like your dog. I guess that is a workable not- definition. I. I mean, this podcast is mostly about my fucking dog and cat, but I love my dog so much. The being uh, being gone, being in Ohio and being sick and not having my dog there is oh my god, it was so tough. And the where like I forced myself not even to think about her until like the last day or the second to last day, and then it just physically hurt me. And then since I've been home, like I still have the covid sloth so i've just been like laying on the couch and she just comes and lays on top of me and like uh-huh. puts like her paws on my shoulders and like well, you know like lick my face and then look at me and then lick my face oh. and like that. <laughs> oh, so wait cute. you were in ohio i was in athens ohio the um 
COVID ruined my vacation. The, oh. Yeah. The, and I, yeah, I want to talk to a manager about it. The, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I went out there to see friends. I was out there, you know, I have friends out there that I've had for like 20 years. And the, you know, and then with, with COVID, with this stupid fucking plague that just keeps going and going, the, I haven't seen any of those people forever. The, do you miss your road friends? I don't know if I have road friends per se. I think there are people that I've met while being out there. And sometimes I just go once and I don't see them again, but they're on Facebook, but Sure, I guess. I guess. I guess I think I miss um, being out there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was a minute there where I would see you like every two or three months where we would just be in the same town or the let's do this show together or a couple of shows together where we were both like working so hard. Uh, Yeah. I, I miss you and I miss fucking everybody from that time. And also I'm I'm way less crazy just not living out of a fucking suitcase and the um it's like that uh that movie memento where he keeps waking up and he's like where am i you know the, <laughs> living like that i don't know it's exhausting yeah i think i i was i get all these like obviously like facebook memories and stuff and i was like i was really running around everywhere and like creating so many memories with people and like doing stuff in like the most random places. Like I was really all, all about this shit. And that part is kind of cool. But then, yeah, you think about how exhausting it is planning it and then going and, you know, sleeping in on weird couches or whatever. you like, that part's not fun, but yeah, I, um, yeah, I miss everyone. It's yeah. The, it's, you know, this is one of the a conversation I had with, you know, with JT when, when shit first hit and we were both sort of like losing our minds is, you know, I, I was, I'm not a big fucking gratitude guy, but the, mm-hmm. um, I choose my friends, I think where like, I have to find people whose negativity matches my own. And then <laughs> when, you know, when you're in conversation, you can't just both be, you know, be like, this is the worst ever. And then, yeah, I agree. This is the worst ever and high five. Like you have to argue a little bit. So I always have to take the sort of like the positive side of things. And you know, one of the things that I said to JT was that when, you know, when that, when shit first hit and we were all just sort of grounded like that, how fucking lucky were we that we got to do it when we did mm-hmm. and how we yeah. did you know, the, um, I, I miss it and I don't miss it. And the, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's, it's like how I feel about my alcoholism. I'm glad we did it and I'm glad it's over. Yeah. There you go. You, at least you can still remember doing it and it was fun. And now you're like, okay, let's, let's do something else. But yeah, I get yeah. that. I get missing all that stuff too. I actually think about like, oh, maybe I should go back on the road. And I'm like, are those things even still open? Like that's the other part. Like some of those things never came back. And so yeah. that's yeah. the sad part of, about thinking about going back out. You're like, are they even doing the thing anymore? So it's definitely different. So where, um, where are you these days with performing, with touring, with comedy, with all that shit? Um, I'm are, currently are you back in, out on the road at all or no, I don't really do the road. I, it, I'm a little bit hesitant still. Cause like I said, it kind of feels 
a little bit daunting trying to find places to do shows. I'm not saying that there is, it's hard. I just think that my mindset is so different because I mean, I was in New York when COVID started. So I have this huge different perspective than most people where I'm like, no, no, people were like legit dying every day at my job. So like I took a huge step back from doing comedy. Like it's not worth it. I don't really care that much to make y'all laugh. We don't deserve to laugh. Like, I was just <laughs> like <laughs> so now I'm, I'm working in, um, in Washington right now and I'm trying to plan it's hard to plan a tour when you have to be at work all the time and like ask for days off and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And before that I was doing contract OT work where I'm like, I'm done in 13 weeks and I can take as much time off as I want and that kind of stuff. But I mean, this contract is over in December and I can think about doing a tour next year, but I like money. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky because the, I do feel like it's coming back. I feel like some of it's coming back, you know, the, but I, I was really looking forward to doing the show in Ohio and sort of like getting back out there and the, and I actually had a positive attitude going into it where I was like the, I don't have my shit prepared. Like I have a bunch of new songs, but I don't have new bits and the, mm-hmm. I'm not ready for this show. I don't, I'm not ready to sort of like get up there and do it, but also 45 years old i am who i am the there's nothing at stake here right it's not like if i win this then i advance to the next round or this is going to change my life it's just i'm going to have a good night or i'm not going to and i did i had a great night and then i got sick for fucking weeks afterwards yeah so like is it worth it i don't know you know i mean the i mean i guess if i can you know when when i finally shake this that would be the time to get back out there because that's when my immunity will su- supposedly be the highest. The but um, there's still close to 500 people dying a day of this yeah. shit. You know the and everybody's l- sort of like I masked up for fucking two years or two and a half years. I have my shots. Fucking you know there's there's only so much that you can ask of people um, before they're like fuck it you know yeah we did the right thing for a long time and we're tired we can't keep it up anymore so you have to live a life at some point you know we're all taking our own risks every once in a while you're like this is worth it so yeah you know and as for getting back up now without having any new bits or anything like i i I asked like headline a show and i was like who wants to sit through 45 minutes of me talking nobody wants that like what what are you doing I would. I, people say that and I'm just like I don't understand like I don't even know what I'm doing <laughs> I'm having you everything. here right now just to have you do a fucking headline set <laughs> for me and me only and I'm fuck- <laughs> just heckling you you know <laughs> but the joy about that is that I, I've taken this whole like shift where I used to get super nervous and like have really high anxiety even though people were like you look so confident I'm like it's lies, okay. <laughs> but now I kind of go into it like there's nothing you can do, right? Just, I'm pretending. But now it's like I let the audience know off the top this might not be good, and then once they realize it might not be good, then I have a good time. I kind of get it out the way. I let the curtain back a little bit, which is a different approach I used to have to comedy. Was like just pretend you know what you're doing all the time. It's like, dude, I don't fucking know. So. It's actually good to kind of not really know what you're doing and see what happens because it's usually fun. So, I mean, I I could see that really working too. You know that um, 
you know, some of my favorite comedy shows that I've seen are the ones that people do where, um, you know, the, I mean, Jake and I did a tour that was called some of this will be funny, you know, where we were <laughs> like, both of us just sort of like going through shit in our lives and the, and you know, and we knew we had some jokes and some punchlines and some of it also is just sort of like, here's something I'm going through and now I'm going to sort of make you go through it a little bit too, you know? Yeah. The, and, and what we do too is, um, we, we are sort of packaging and selling our vulnerability or anxiety, um, for, you know, for people with, uh, you know, with a pretty little bow on it, you know, yeah. the, but I also, I'm, I'm one of those people who has been completely taken in because every time I've seen you perform, I'm like, man, why is Shauna just so fuck that she's just so cool up there. She doesn't like give a shit that, <laughs> I, you know, I wish I had her confidence that like, yeah. um, I give a shit so much. It's, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, working on it though. Um, it, it, it's interesting though, too, with comedy and even art in general, right? It doesn't have to be funny. Your tour doesn't, I mean, sure. You're not going to be laughing the whole time. I would like to be able to have some levels of like you laugh and then you have like a thought, of something right a little bit of a weird ride of emotions i mean it's fun to have people laughing the whole time but i would prefer it to be like an ebb and flow kind of deal with me some some comedians aren't always funny sometimes they're just complaining about trans people <laughs> absolutely yes absolutely the, it is so, it is the ratio you know it's like you know when i was a kid and i you know saw like a recipe where they were like you, you put salt in cookies i was like that's fucking why would you put salt in cookies you know the and then now now that i'm an adult and i'm refined and i have a culture uh -huh. whenever i eat a cookie that doesn't have enough salt in it i'm like Chef, you let this leave your kitchen. <laughs> this cookie is insufficiently salty. The uh, no, but that, it it is the every every show, every performance, every every bit, every narrative has to have some of the you know the the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. It's got to go. You know, it's got to be. There's got to be a moment of tension before that it pops. And then everybody laughs. Yeah. Um, when I was at, uh, when I was teaching one year, I had a, I did do a lecture with another teacher and I was terrified because I'm always like, oh, fuck. Like I'm just going to skate through another year here. They, you know, they, um, but she did a, she diagrammed the story of Cinderella and like mm -hmm. what, how the narrative works. And it's sort of like, you know, it starts with a minus sign where like Cinderella's there and then, you know, the um, three cruel stepsisters or whatever. And then she gets an invite to the ball, you know, the and then they destroy her dress. And then so if you if you map that story, it's a, a, a positive sign, a negative sign, a positive sign, a negative sign. You know, the and that's one of the reasons why everybody knows that story. Everybody's read that book. Everybody's seen that movie a million times. Yeah. You know, the um so yeah, our you know the our shit does have to have a certain amount of sadness, darkness, tension in it. The but man, after coming out of these long couple of years, it's like funny isn't funny anymore. <laughs> the, 
Yeah, it's a different kind of funny. I, I, I mean, I would hope that most people came out of this with like a little bit more of a introspective kind of deal. But there's some comedians that started comedy in the pandemic. And it's like, nobody wants to fucking hear you. Are you serious? Like, that's so strange. It's like, that's, that kind of stuff is weird to me. Because, you know, even trying to be out and tour and stuff during the pandemic just seems so bizarre to me. And so some people probably aren't doing any like, you know, deep thought tension building comedy and that's fine too. But for those of us that have like empathy and stuff like that and like care about community and people, I think to go up there and just kind of be whatever, it's like, not not now, like there's too much going on. So you kind of, kind of give them something to think about and have a good time too. But also like, there's no way you can't really address all the changes and everything, but I guess some people do. I I don't I don't know, but nobody wants to hear your COVID comedy that's like hacky and shit. So I I haven't been out much since all this shit started. the The first show that I went to post COVID was Kyle Kinane in mm. Flagstaff. It was a tiny little room, and there were maybe like forty people there. And nice. the when you um, you know, when you play a small town, the it's they're not like, um, oh, it's sticks coming through. They're like a band is playing or a comedian. There's a performer, you know, the, if it's, yeah. a jug, you know, then so everybody shows up the and I'm a huge fan of Canaan's and the um, so it was, it was tricky for me to be sort of like this is such a fucking great show to see my favorite comic in such a small room. And then there was, you know, there were uh, people there who were just like, that was the, that was the thing they were doing that night. Um, but it was <laughs> Shauna. It was so, Oh my God. He has a joke about, um, man, when Mexico turned 15 years old, you know, that party was incredible. <laughs> you know? and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's sort of classic Canadian, right? It's like, really smart and really dumb and really funny. Yeah. And it just, it was one of those things where it was just like a fucking dart and it just hit, you know, it just hit me, you know, and I just sort of like coughing laughter immediately. And the, yeah. And, you know, I, I walked out of there after that show, just feeling so good. Maybe because the, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what we look to entertainers for is to distract us from our lives for a minute. Like, let it be like yeah. a dream. You know, mm-hmm. the, but yeah, I don't know the, I'm getting, I'm doing altercation in October. And so I'm trying to start doing shows again and like trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And man, it's tricky. The, I don't know, just the trying to figure out who to be, what to talk about, what to do, the, um, it's like, uh, you know, the, if you're doing a nine hour road trip and the first thing you see in the first 20 minutes is like a horrific traffic accident where they're like, <laughs> there's definitely people who died in that, the, then is that the rest of the, the nine hour trip is just you, the, you know, but like you're going to your cousin's wedding and it's going to be a big party and all these, you know, the, everything, you know, it's like the, how much of it do you, yeah, that's a good question of how much you, how much of that shit you carry with you. Are you going to be doing some of your, your new songs? Yeah, I'm doing a bunch of new songs. Uh, those are all depressing as hell. 
the there are all, all of your songs are depressing as hell let's all just cut the crap here like yeah uh, I'm i guess that's what people are have into. a happy moment just <laughs> no that's what you're into it, here you know what you're right because like nobody wants to hear from like a happy adele like when adele got married we were like shit she's gonna suck <laughs> like mary j blige also when she's sad we know oh, you're happy great this is gonna be a very bad album so but i think i think we can have at least one i'm doing okay song from mishka you know what i mean because that's also true right like you're not as yeah. sad as you are you are doing okay yeah i'm actually I'm, I'm i'm doing well i mean the covid recovery thing is like bumming me out but other than that everything's great you know the everything's real good right now the um the thing is when i feel good i don't need to pick up a guitar i know, you know? <laughs> the, but I, I i think i'm gonna be doing like a split um, a split release with my buddy Rad Pinkard, who I've had on the podcast. This is like twenty five year old skater who does the emo sad boy shit that I do, and then he's fucking got bars too, you know. So the, <laughs> we're gonna do one of my songs about being a, um, you know, a sad old goblin uh, in my cave, and then he has a song that uh, he just sent to me, and the chorus is. Uh, if I'm not going to die young, then I'm going to die rich. And it's, and it's really sort of, um, positive and upbeat and it's a perfect foil to what I talk about. And I I was like, rad, you know, yeah, it's fucking, it's weird. People always have something to write uplifting songs and like, you know, you did it. And he was like, yeah, I don't believe any of that shit, man. (laughs) It's like, that's just me talking to myself, like trying to cheer up. Come on, dude. Come on. You know, So yeah, that's real interesting. The um, but I don't uh, think you'll have an issue when you go to altercation, though. I think I think the people will be happy to see you, and you can just kind of yeah. fumble around and do whatever, and they'll they'll just like it. It'll be a one man show almost. The, yeah, that's that's definitely my <laughs> tribe. The um, so you're you're in Seattle now. The how how long have you been? Yeah, or you're in Seattle or in Washington or. I'm in I'm in Everett, Washington. I'm about okay. half an hour from Seattle. Okay. Um, how long have you been out there? How is it? I've been here since July, so a couple months now. Two That's months. Right. That's a yeah. good time to leave Phoenix, yeah. July. Well, we were having a heat wave and it got to eighty two. Oh God. Can you imagine? People were dying. Oh no. <laughs> eighty two. What? <laughs> every time they complain i'm like you guys need to shut up i'm wearing a sweater because they have the air on in my office and i hate it so much i'm like this is the worst but yeah the the heat waves in washington state is it's funny but they also don't have ac or fans so yeah. i guess some people do die which sorry but like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> sorry but also like man up (laughs) Uh, yeah like just drink more water or something like it's not that hard you know hydrate and sit down somewhere yeah i was talking to my neighbor the other day and i was like oh my god we're getting so so spoiled like it's only been like a hundred you know for like this last week you know it's the it's it's nothing it's it's so nice you know yeah 
it's funny how like you can tell the it, the difference between like 105 and 100. You're like, no, 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 no. This is this is a little bit cooler. Like those small increments, yeah. you can yeah, just tell it's a little bit cooler. When it's so damn hot, you're like, no, no, I felt 113. This is not it. This is 108. This is okay. Yeah, I can yeah. do 108. Yeah. <laughs> the um, yeah. So, what was it like being in New York? When the fucking shit hit, because you were working with you were working in an old folks home or PT yeah. or what were you doing? I'm just doing OT. I was working at a 17 story nursing home in New York, and uh, we I knew something was coming before most people did because we're getting updates from the CDC directly to the healthcare workers. So like in February, they're like. Okay, you can't bring patients to the gym anymore. We're like, why? Like, oh, some kind of flu. And then later on in February, it was like, now you can't bring them out of their rooms. Like, what the fuck is going on? And then I did my last show at the Hartford Funny Bone, and I was like, are you guys worried about COVID? And of course, all the white people are like, no. And I was like, okay, well, you should be because it's killing people. And then a week later, they shut everything down. And so. And it was interesting, like, to see everything kind of close, but also be like, oh, shit, I'm essential. Like, I don't want to go to work. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. it was scary to be a hero because that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> I didn't. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm just trying to make a paycheck. Y'all ain't paid me enough to do my regular job. Now I got to go in there and, like, battle some airborne disease with no proper PPE. Like, this is not what's up so it was super scary i read i read an article the other day saying that you know that they've like there's been a whole campaign with monkeypox where they're you know they've been trying to get the public to realize that it's not a gay disease and that Mm -hmm. it's you know it's a disease that's just communicated between human beings you know to um to diminish the stigma behind it and the, you know, I think they see echoes with like AIDS in the 80s and like, right. you know, oh, here comes this other African plague, you know, the, but the article I was reading was, you know, and it, it was doctors and scientists basically saying like, we're afraid that this actually is a gay disease. The mm. And it just got me, and I think it was like the last thing I read, you know, um, before I went to sleep. And so I was just thinking that like, Man, we have all these illnesses that, you know, where like um, black folks were disproportionately affected by uh, AIDS, the, um, and, you know, obviously the gay community, the, and then black folks um, got sicker and died more with COVID. Mm-hmm. The, and, and I'm thinking like, if there's a God, he's a fucking racist edgelord piece of shit the because we keep <laughs> the we keep seeing these illnesses that i mean obviously um any widespread disease is going to affect people um with pre-existing health conditions you know uh poor folks the on the, the fucking first nations people on the reservations you know stuff like that the mm-hmm. um but to see you know it sort of disproportionately affect the essential workers which is you know in a, in a lot of cases it's like the working poor you know mm-hmm. the 
um, I don't know, such a fucking horrific thing that we've lived through. And the and having had a mild case, I'm like, holy shit! Is this is a this is what a mild? I'm a healthy dude. You know, I've been like running just about every day. I fucking I eat right. I take my vitamins. <coughs> um, I'm still coughing. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got two things to say. Um, I read an article recently that said that somebody in France gave their dog monkeypox. No. Uh, yep. And I just assumed it was a white person. And somebody <laughs> got mad that I said that. <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> kissed I my like, dog. I kissed my dog. On the I was going to say, too much. They, so made, they made four jackass movies and there was mostly white people in there doing stuff with their buttholes. <laughs> so I don't know. Just going by the data here. Jackass <laughs> is definitely that's white folks like cultural contribution. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. So like for them to get mad and be like, this is div- divisive or whatever. I'm like, dude, first off, it's in France. And second of all, y'all do be letting dogs like lick your mouths and your balls and stuff sometimes. I've heard you guys <laughs> talk about it. Like it's not. Why are you mad that I'm stating maybe a fact? I'll, I'll do some research and see. But I feel okay. like it's probably a white person. Fair. OK, you're right. <laughs> Yes, and yes, and the I have had more than one girlfriend where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that stupid fucking urban legend thing about like, you know, girls fucking, you know, letting a dog like lick peanut butter out of her twat or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I did that. I'm like, like, what? You what? Oh, my God. More than one. More than one. More than two. Maybe I think three. Women I've dated have not, and not, it's not been something that they've copped to under hard interrogation where it's like, we got to get to the bottom of this peanut butter rumor. The, but they were just sort of oh. casually were in Target and they were like, oh yeah, by the way. And I'm like, what the fuck? The, so that's on y'all. Um, I, I would love to know why you have found yourself in the company of three women who have let a dog do that. Like, what does it say about you? First off, let's let's dive into that part. I guess that is a, a demo, a very specific demographic. Your your Tinder bio is just like must let must enjoy peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter play with puppies. Like this is. This is a problem that you attract people like this as well. We'll dive into that some other time. It's the why, and then they just volunteer it so easily. Why do they all? Why do y'all think we want to hear y'all business? Which is just I don't understand. Uh, are you kidding? I fucking love it. It's fucking. It made my day. I was like the, you know, since I don't know the last whatever, 10, 15 years since we collectively discovered that men are terrible. I've just been like walking around feeling righteously horrible about myself and my gender. And then, so whenever, whenever something comes out of like women being horrible, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> now, now women or white women, because I am the race lady and I need to make this, you know, specific. The, so is it um, women being horrible with the dogs licking their vaginas? Or is that something you heard from black women too? Or any other kind of woman you've dated? Have you ever heard any I, person I, of color the, to something like that? One one of them was a woman of color, uh, no huh? black women, but will appeal to our listeners now. If you are a black woman and you've let a dog lick peanut butter out of your pussy, please, 
please contact us and let us <laughs> know for science. Seek help. For science. <laughs> please see my please Tinder profile. <laughs> oh my God. That is so I I just oh God. It's like you just try to find things to entertain yourself is the problem. So you guys are just too bored with life. Everything's going too I great. didn't put peanut butter on anything. All right. Though what do you mean I'm you guys? <laughs> I'm as as a people, the Caucasians do tend to skew more towards let me find something crazy to do. I'm bored. So <laughs> I started watching the, I had a thing where I watched all of the Jackass movies recently, which is taken to binge that it's horrific. The uh, hilarious too, but also just like, Oh my God, the, um, Mm -hmm. but what's really funny and really interesting is that in the last Jackass, they, they tried to like, you know, get diversity. I saw the last one because my friend Rachel's in it. She's like the first woman. Okay, the um, number one, ask her about the peanut butter. Number two, <laughs> how hard did they have to work to find her? And the the other thing is, I feel like it's just white boy shit. That I that's what I, I'm saying. I, I just do that. I I've seen a lot of like diversity hires that like look and feel real forced, real awkward. The <laughs> and none and nothing. I'm not casting aspersions against the jackass dudes because I feel like they're a fairly egalitarian crew. But I think it's just a white boy illness that compels us to be like, you know the. I can let my farts on fire, but like, what about putting a fucking bottle rocket in my butt or, you know, all that? It's always somebody naked, too. That's what I'm saying. It's like they found, what, two black people to do this jackass. The guy got his dad who was like in prison, do something with like a spider. Like he's like, I need the money, bro. This is not some shit that I would subscribe to otherwise. Okay, you're going to pay me to sit here and do this one stunt and then I'm out like that's. That's how we roll is to pay a bill. But you guys just put firecrackers in your assholes for fun. It's like you guys are just <laughs> bored. You don't need to pay a bill. You, you don't have any debt. You're like, man, what can I do to spice up my life right now? I know. Fire. <laughs> if, if, debt, if debt is unavailable, fireworks will do. Man, I need to find a way to be oppressed or, or, or at least someone look at me. Someone look at me. Look, yeah. look at my asshole. Yeah. Look at it. <laughs> yeah. We all want to feel special just in different ways. Sometimes it's, with, it's with, <laughs> with, with the dog of your choice or the fireworks. The, um, and here we are well, well, just trying not to get shot by the cops all the time. That's, <laughs> that's how we, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, your, that's your jackass. <laughs> yeah, so just dodging bullets from the cops. Yes, please. We survived the day. <laughs> so fucked up. Mm-hmm. I um. What was the other thing you were going to say about monkeypox? Well, it was the monkeypox thing, and it was also about how COVID impacted Black people and people of color more. And it's just like people don't realize how much racism is built into everything in this country. So if you have all these comorbidities and stuff, well, look at the neighborhoods that that you grow up in, right? Oh, right next to an industrial plant where you get asthma or you have lead in your water. So you grow up in these neighborhoods that they put you in on purpose so they can fuck up the whole system around you that you grow up with all these conditions. And then when you get COVID, then you die. So some of that stuff's not even our fault, right? That's just the zip code they put us in. And that's 
they treat us like second-class citizens. We get the worst of the worst. And so when we get sick, we die first. Even when it comes to transportation, there was this thing when people were talking about how it's transportation racist. And they were like, they built a bridge in New York that was low enough that a bus couldn't fit through. So kids from like the lower class areas couldn't drive to the beach. They made the, the, the bridge yeah. low enough for that. Like, you know how maniacal you have to be to think about ways to keep certain people to have access to things. Like that is just like so beyond what people even think about when it comes to like racism. It's like, it's, it's everywhere. And so of course people who tend to be poor or whatever, they're black and brown people. And that's also one purpose. They don't give us money for houses. We don't have houses. We don't have generational wealth. We don't have, you know what I mean? So it's, it, the, the big picture of it all is that it's always impacting us all the time and and it fucking sucks you want to hear a really <laughs> fucked up story sure <laughs> <laughs> so the when i was living in new york i had uh i had a good friend who i went to the gym with i don't know three or four days a week the and we were working out one day and he was like, oh, and I was like, what? And he was like, saw my fucking my uncle over the weekend and the and he's, you know, he said a thing that's like fucking with me. And I was like, OK, the tell me about this. His uncle was a conductor on the MTA on the subway train. And the his uncle had been griping that weekend about. Um, having a case of the Mondays. Have you ever heard this before? This is the first and only time I've ever heard about this. A case of the uh, a case of the Mondays is a train full of uh, black middle school and high school kids right after they get out of school. And I was like, "Why did your uncle?" Call, call it a case of the Mondays. And he said, because nobody likes Mondays. And I was like, uh, what the... F so it's this very... Oh, it's so fucking fucked up. It's this very specific um, cultural, geographic slur mm -hmm. <laughs> specific to the fucking MTA. The, and it was... Um, I don't know, man. It was one of those things that I like, I, I remembered it immediately and I'll remember it forever. And it just like, it just fucked me up. You know, that, that's, um, that, I mean, this is, this is my people's other legacy. We do jackass and we do slurs, you know, the, and yeah. that very, very specific, the, um, and also the full disclosure here, I've been in New York riding the subway with a bunch of black kids who have just gotten out of fucking middle school or high school or whatever. And yeah, it sucks. It, you know, it, it sucks. The, it sucks because kids suck and the, right. um, and, and kids in New York, particularly the, mm -hmm. but, but also children who are systematically dehumanized, who grow up in the projects feeling, um, below their, you know, the, the people around them, um, mm -hmm. they go to uh, worse schools, worse school districts, uh, worse nutrition, all that shit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah no, no fucking wonder, you know. The, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, 
But yeah, that's my that's my new bit. That's the thing. That's the, the new funny thing I'm going to bring to the stage. What do you think? Hilarious, I, right? I did. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what that meant. And I think that's always interesting that we just kind of say stuff and don't really ask why do we say that or where did that come from. And if you do a little bit of digging, you usually end up with something like that where you're like, oh, something horrifically racist. Yeah, like we're all just saying cases of Mondays because Mondays suck, right? Nobody likes Monday, sure but you're putting it to where you could have a case of the Mondays on the Thursday. You know what yep. I mean? Cause you're describing yeah. having black kids on your train. So it's just, it's, it's, it's so weird. It's like culturally accepted stuff and you don't even know why you are saying it or where you heard it from. And then it's always yeah. like, Oh God, you just can't, you can't escape it. You just really can't. I remember watching this documentary called blackfish. Have you seen it? Uh, I know of it. I haven't watched it. Um, but I watch yeah. it every once in a while when I want a little pick me up, but <laughs> it's about, it's about the, uh, the whales over at SeaWorld that were like attacking trainers and eating them and shit. And, um, it was so strange to watch these white people talk about how, if you keep an animal in chains or oh my God. in cages, they're going to react in a certain way. I'm like, Wow, can you apply that logic to people as well? That explains <laughs> it's so weird how you can understand why an orca will come out here and attack his trainer, but somehow you can't understand why black kids or black people are angry or whatever. Like the conditions around us make us behave this way. It's so weird that you can't correlate those two things. But when it comes to Shamu, you're like, we got to get her out of there. This is sad. <laughs> so I watch That's- that movie sometimes to watch them you know, beat people up and drag one of the water and stuff like that. Nice little pick me up. <laughs> the, so I have seen that documentary and mm. it's fucked up. And I, <laughs> the, I thought there's another documentary that's about um, white folks, uh, like the Rachel Dolezal thing of like white folks pretending to be black or like blacking uh, it up for their fucking Instagram or whatever. The Wait, um, is there more than one? We got to find out the. Oh, this is the other thing for our listeners. The um, if you've successfully answered the peanut butter question, the, <laughs> then we also need to know the. You you it's know this term the, though, the right? Racial, the racial divide or interracial people. The no, it's I, th- I think it's called black fishing, and it's where oh, black fish. Yes, the, right where where white folks. Um, uh, I mean, basically just usurp black culture it's not just cultural appropriation but it's pretend it's pretending to be black you know yeah, the- ariana grande if you look at a photo of ariana yes. grande when she was younger and on disney she is a very pale italian looking girl and now she's as brown as Nicki minaj and we don't yeah. know what happened but yeah we think it's a ploy to look a little bit more urban and dark or whatever and it's like that's uh, it's so exhausting <laughs> It truly is. You want to be like us until it's time to say something against like police brutality or racism. Then you're like, I don't know what to say about that, but I can pretend. I fucking hate it so much. I'm so glad I brought you on the podcast so that we can just go down the list of like all the most fucking like depressing shit in the world. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's. It's true though, like I don't know, just shit is different. You know, the I had uh, Dante Powell on the podcast. Mm. Shout out to Dante for being the the first person on the podcast to fucking wow. pull, a, pull a gun while we were recording. Wait, the, what? He we were uh, we, 
so I, I fucked the time up. So he was in his office, which is his car, and he was the he was sitting in his car. Um, and when I called him, he he was like on his phone. And I was like, well, Dante, you're you're in your car, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, no, this is a place where I could like you know, um, you know, come and do the podcast quietly. And then later on, he was like, Oh yeah, no, I've been sitting out here for an hour. Like, and I was like, Dude, like. <laughs> Black dude just sitting in a car <laughs> in the in fucking Iowa. <laughs> You're not worried, you know, the and he was like, nah, bro, like I'm a fucking huge black dude and I'm strapped, you know? And he like held up his fucking pistol. And um uh I love Dante. <laughs> I hate guns. I you know, I, I don't think I don't think anybody should have a gun, especially not a handgun. And especially mm. like people shouldn't just be able to fucking walk around with guns. You know, the as a student of narrative, the job of a gun is to go off and kill somebody. You know, that For is sure. what guns do. You know, the and you know, I I love Dante. I feel comfortable disagreeing with him, but I couldn't mm. bring myself to to, to initiate that conversation with him to to mm. talk about gun, gun control or maybe not carrying a gun or whatever you know the um because um i i'm i'm not saying that i i understand where he's coming from but i understand that i don't understand what mm-hmm. his life is like where he's coming from the um i don't know yeah, I think that the gun issue is is tricky, especially when it comes to minorities and black people, because Philando Castile had a concealed carry permit and he got shot. The NRA said nothing about it. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend shot at the cops defending himself and they fucking shot her and killed her and threatened to put a dog on him. So like black people and gun ownership is almost like if you don't have it, then, you know, if you live in Iowa and you grew up on some like racist people, then you're fucking screwed. But if you do have it, now you're a black person with a gun, which makes it easier for you to be seen as a threat. And so it's, it's a bit of a, it's, I, I don't like guns either. And I understand why somebody would want one, but you know, it, being out in society, it's 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 it, it's scary either way. I think I think yeah. it's for some people it might be just better to have it than to not, depending on what you run up on. So I can see both sides of it. Yeah, the you know I mean when um, when black folks are getting murdered for having a fucking phone in their hand, like well might as well have a gun. You know the right. Um, and I, you know, I understand the logic of if you're going to take me out, I'm going to. I'm going to take you with me, you know? Right. I mean, the, Ahmed Aubrey got chased down the street while he was going for a jog by these white people and they filmed it and they killed him. Now, if he had a gun, perhaps he might've had a fight in chance, but he was just going for a jog. So like, that's what I mean. It, depending on where you are in this country and who it, it, it's, it's good to have something like that, but it's also bad. Cause then if the cops show up and they say, well, he pulled a gun on me. So I shot him and they'll just take that person's word. Right. So it's, I don't know. It's a it's a very complicated situation, really. The Ahmad Arbery thing like really fucked with me because the um, well, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but the I used to live in Atlanta and mm-hmm. I ran and I'm used to like 
living in New York and just fucking going going everywhere, doing you know doing whatever. The but when I was running in Atlanta, when I went out on longer runs, the um, I would run through black neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. the looks that I got from folks were just mm. not not welcoming, and the. And so I got in the habit of like smiling and waving to people, which is that's not who I am. And then, oh, that's what we do too. The, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to, and then it felt racist to smile and wave to black folks, but not to white folks. So then I'm fucking smiling and waving to everybody like a fucking dork. The mm. but just the the sensation of um, of running through a black neighborhood and, and like you know getting that kind of like you know like. Uh, the look from black folks and be like, Oh fuck, here they come. You know, the, like, uh, like it's termites or something. The, and on the one mm. hand, like my own hurt feelings of being like, no, it's me. It's okay. You know? And yeah. the other, and the other feeling of being like, I get it, man. Like, you know, I, I understand. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That, that was, well, anytime, you know, that, that running joke about like, if you see a white person jogging in your neighborhood, you're about to gentrify it. Like that just means to move you out and then put put in a bike path so more white people can run around. You know what I mean? So a white person jogging in a black neighborhood is very much like fuck. They finna come raise the rent and kick us out of here. <laughs> I I am a fucking jogger now too. You know the it's funny because I'm doing this podcast uh, tomorrow actually where um, talking with some comedians about the Guns N' Roses song Rocket Queen and they were like yeah I'm and I'm. I'm such a Guns N' Roses nerd. I'm just fucking going to... I have so much to talk. It's like going to be like a fucking <laughs> PowerPoint present. I have a book here that JT gave me of like the, you know, the story behind Appetite for Destruction and like the... I'm making fucking notes and shit so I can like hit every wow. mark on this. But they asked me... <clears throat> they asked me if I had a guilty pleasure to talk about on the podcast. And I was like, well... I mean, all of my pleasures are guilty. Like I, 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 all, I feel, I feel terrible for feeling good about anything. The but one, you know, one of my specific guilt. I was thinking, what's what's a song that I enjoy that really embarrasses me? And it's the um, uh, Jet Airliner by Steve Miller Band. I, I can't even say it with a fucking straight face. And so then today I was like, well, I I, sh- I need to fam- refamiliarize myself with this specific. Uh, cultural abyss of uh, Steve Miller band. So I was like listening to it and then my AC wasn't working. So I had my window rolled down and then I like came up to a stoplight and I'm driving my like 2005 Honda element, the, you know, my fucking gray hair, <laughs> the, <laughs> With Steve Miller blasting and like some girl was like walking through the crosswalk and like made eye contact with me. I'm like, oh, like, what's up, Uncle Dad? And it's the, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's a thing that I guess the <laughs> happens to aging punk rockers where you just, the, you wake up one day and you're like, no, nah, man, I'm not a fucking badass. I'm not hot shit. I'm a fucking... <laughs> old white dude in Crocs, like walking, talking to my dog, you know, like, Oh, you're a good girl. You're a good girl. (laughs) Just like lost any edge I ever had. Oh, that's sad. Uncle, uncle dad, the gentrifier, the jogging gentrifier. Do you you wear Crocs for real? Oh, I was thinking about this the other day. The Shauna, it's not, 
Everybody's like Crocs are cool now. Bullshit, man. Nothing that comfortable is allowed to also be cool. You know, the, are they comfortable? Oh, the, oh man. Do you not? Are, oh, I would love to bring you down with me on this. If I can't get you into the peanut butter thing, I can get you into Crocs. The <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, no, they're wicked comfortable. They're too comfortable. It's like pajamas for your feet. And the and it's also just the I have like gross hairy hobbit feet. The and my feet are like chewed up from running and stuff. The and you know there's like cleavage in them, so you can like look in and see like my toe cracks and stuff like that in the Crocs. Wow. And it's just it's horrific. The um, okay, OnlyFans, let's go. The, but only feet. The but they're. Uh, <laughs> They're super comfortable. I have like three pairs now, and the, uh, yeah, it's the that the Crocs are fucking white darkness. That's what that is. It's just like first it was Birkenstocks, and now it's Crocs. I mean, yeah, style icons. You guys are just ahead of the game with all these. The Crocs are like uh, broken stocks. The Bros, bros do love the Crocs. The but yeah, I just the I mean, I was somebody pointed out you know to me that I was making fun of the way that I was dressing after having had COVID because the when you come out of it, it's like the I need a haircut. I've, I gained fucking eight pounds. I haven't run. I haven't worked out. I haven't fucking taken care of any part of my body forever the but then i'm finally that first day where i feel well enough to go to fucking kroger or whatever the fuck and i i was wearing like uh you know like jogging shorts and like an oversized t-shirt and whatever and i you know i, I posted that picture from uh pulp fiction of uh john travolta and samuel jackson <laughs> you know in the, and somebody was like that's how you dress every day and it's <laughs> it's true the yes um when you were in Phoenix, did you find yourself just fucking abandoning looking good at all of like, I, instead I'm going to try and be comfortable today. Um, I've never really been like super fashionable or cute. I just kind of wear whatever fits, which is a rarity for me. There was a time in my twenties though, where I was like, I'm going to go to a club and wear a dress, but I threw away like all of my high heel shoes. Cause I was like, I don't even know where I'm going to wear these ever again. And, um, but for the most part, it's kind of wear jeans and a t-shirt. That's kind of like my suit, but yeah, sweatpants. Yeah. If I wasn't going anywhere for sure, but like on the rare occasion, we're going to go to Shake Shack. I'm going to put on pants. So I would put on pants. I feel like I'm advertising to the world just that I've given up, but the, but when no one's surprised if they heard (laughs) that news. I know, right? It's like truth in advertising. (laughs) I do. I do feel good though. I, the last, you know, I was thinking about this. I was sort of like um, taking stock of this while I was running this morning. I was like, I've had a good couple of months, even with getting COVID, you know, the, um, and I feel like the fucking darkness of the last couple of years that has just been, you know, I just have not been able to shake. I feel like finally gone, you know? Yeah. And the that I'm like ready to move forward, but then it's you know sort of like what we were talking about earlier of like all the network that we built up 
um, mm-hmm. before COVID being on the road of um, people who booked nights who weren't dirt bags and people who were doing comedy in different places who we liked and we had kinship with and you could perform with and you were comfortable staying on their couch or whatever. The um, So many of those people have moved on or found other things or not, you know, you know, or the bar closed or that night got canceled and they haven't, it, there's just that sensation that everything's like trying to make its mind up now about, are we going to start up again or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like we're all just trying to pretend to go back to 2019 and it's like the world keeps reminding us, like, you can't. That doesn't exist anymore. You're going to have to figure out what to do with this reality right now. And so until you kind of, you guys get your shit together, you're just going to have random things that don't come back or newer places that do open. And, I mean, of course, we're all getting older, too. So, like, when people ask me about the comedy scene in Vegas, I'm like, I don't know most of the people that do comedy in Vegas anymore. I love them. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know about the venues. I don't know. And that's because I've been gone for a while, but also because I hate most of the people there. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to figure out who's the right person for what. And, you know, you really have to have that mentality to kind of energize yourself to kind of go out there. But that reality keeps coming back where you're like, oh, I love that place, but it's closed. So now you kind of have to be like, do I even want to go? Right. That was the reason why I wanted to go is to do this room or because yeah. then you want to make money, too. Right. You don't want to just do a bunch of shit and not get any money. Yeah. So and making money right now was kind of hard, too. I mean, a lot of people ain't got it. So you're, you're going less with your ticket sales or you're trying to find a smaller venue. And, you know, that kind of stuff comes into play, too. So it, just that new normal ish where it's like, should we do a festival? Like, do we need to have this many people in one place? Eh, well, you just take your risk because you kind of want to get back into it. But you get that reminder when you do it, somebody got sick and you're like, fuck. Like, so it's always this uh, this little tiptoe around. Like, I want to have a good time and do the things. But ugh, there's always a setback now. You have to prepare yourself for what if I get sick, then I can't go kind of deal. So, yeah, the it, it's funny. I feel like one of the things that white men with a conscience have been sort of trying to do the last, whatever, 10 or 15 years is to the, see how the other side feels is to be able to Mm -hmm. understand, to listen, to like reach, you know, the, and now I understand what it's like to get COVID, to recover from COVID. And I wish I didn't, I wish Mm -hmm. I was still, uh, you know, I understand now it is kind of the ultimate, you know, you had to be there that, you know, you don't know what it's like until you know what it's like. And yeah, I, you know, I do wish that I had gotten another shot or fucking been more careful or, you know, but you know, who knows, you know, the, that's the thing about COVID too. I was super scared about it because people were having different reactions to it. It wasn't like the flu. You get the flu, you get the snuffy, the stuffy nose, you cough, fever, and fine. But this was like all those things and also kidney failure. And also your lungs get crystals in it. 
or you need to chop your fucking leg off. Like it was all this other stuff that was like, that's not a flu, bro. And I don't know if I get it, what's it going to do to me? Because everybody's different. So I got COVID and I was fine. And after like five days, I felt totally fine. And I'm lucky, but it has nothing to do with because I'm healthy. Cause my friends, no, you are, you are (laughs) healthy. And I do, you run more than I exercise. You run every day. I, I, I can't, and I don't eat that well. I, I eat like goldfish crackers and like gummy bears and stuff. Like a four year old is my diet. So (laughs) yeah, I'm not people. I mean, I used to do a lot of activities, but not really, especially not after the pandemic, I wasn't doing anything. I gained, I was almost 200 pounds. So when I got sick, I was like, I don't know what it's going to do. And I was lucky that it didn't do anything bad. When you hear about people who are in high school who died from college football players or MMA fighter, all these people yeah. who are very healthy people and it's taking them out. And so it was like, it's too unpredictable to risk it, which is why I was so scared. And then you just don't know. I, I prefer it if it's like, Oh, you get these three symptoms and you're fine. Okay. I can deal with that, but it's never, it's never just that cut and dry for people. And then you don't know what the long-term effects could be. Like I could probably have a stroke in the next two years. And, I, and it might be because, be because of some shit that COVID did. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the other part. That's super scary. So it's one thing to go through it and say, yeah, I had it bad. And you still have a cough, that lingering cough. And you're still very lucky. But, you know, some people. I, I, you know, I still ran this morning. A, yeah. How many miles you run today? Uh, I did, I was feeling better this morning. So I did whatever, maybe four, uh, too many, but the one mile, I can't even, I can't imagine going out for one mile. It's not even worth putting your fucking shoes on four miles a week until you feel all the way better. Until the cough goes away. Fuck that, man. I'm I'm running every day until (laughs) I get back down to fucking two ten. The, I, uh, I can't be. Yeah, no. The I got you know bikini season right around the corner. The um, You're, we're in it. You've missed it already. Know, it's literally about to be <laughs> September. Like it's gone. The uh, <laughs> Sam Sam Keeley has it now. Yeah, and I feel terrible for two reasons. One is that um, he's a frail old man. Oh, he's gonna hear that and be like, "Fuck you!" (laughs) And also, I just got a fucking speedo, like a really gross, really tight, where you could see my like pubes coming out the sides of it. And I I was so psyched to be like, "Hey, Sam, you know the I'm back. Let's go to the pool." And then just um, you know go out there like we're going to the pool, and then just like drop my fucking shorts and and jump in in the speedo and just have him be horrified. The, have a little jackass moment. Yeah, but that's like that's like the dollar <laughs> menu jackass. Yeah. It's for dads. It's yeah. dad jackass. Dad ass. It's dad ass. <laughs> what? Uh, well, you can probably still still do that. I mean, it's all still be hot in Arizona until like November, so there's still time. Maybe I'll like make a care package for him <gasps> and uh, go up there to deliver it in my speedo. The I, got, I just got to do Send it before news. this drops. Cause it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, that'll ruin the surprise. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, so, t- so tell me this, the, how are you going to move forward? I can't see you. I, you love comedy. You're really good at it. 
the people Thanks. love you the and i've seen you be so successful in so many different environments i can't imagine you leaving that behind and like moving on what what is your plan for moving forward for the rest of the year for next year the um well i'm gonna be in washington until december because i have a contract here for six months so i gotta stay so that's what i'll do until december 22nd are you they doing shows there really oh, oh yeah i i'm i just got booked at the club here um i'm i'm quite impressive thank god so i've been making my my little mark up here so people are like do you want to do a one night only show at the club sure awesome oh, whatever. awesome so i'm doing all the shows here um trying to find other ways to be creative outside of that too. But like, um, I think when I'm done, I, I haven't figured out where I want to go next. Cause I've been in all the places I've worked in LA and New York and I've been yeah. all over and I don't want to be too far from my mom. So I kind of have to stay around the West coast E part of the country. Uh -huh. Um, I, I thought about going back to New York for like a minute and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I, I, I would yeah. love to go for like a week and see my friends and do shows, but to live in that environment with the anxiety and the stress and the crowdedness and just like, I can't do it. I can't sac sacrifice self-worth and dignity and space just so I can go tell jokes. You know what I mean? That yeah. was cool when I first got there, but now I'm like, I don't, I, sh I don't have to live like this. This is not healthy for me to live like this. So um, I don't think I can do New York unless they pay me to go. Now, if somebody said, we'll give you so many thousand dollars, then okay, then I'll go. But, um, I, I, I don't know exactly where I'll be next year, but, uh, I'll always do comedy. Like there's, I'm going to find somewhere to do it. I can be in the middle of nowhere and find somewhere to do comedy. Like, I'm not going to stop doing that. Um, I'd also like to try to work on more writing, try to learn how to do scripts or something like that, or do some TV shit. I mean, I'm really trying to be famous real fast before I, before I get out of here. So <laughs> somebody just needs to put me on something and hurry up so I can buy my mom a, a bigger house. And so that's, <laughs> but I'll, I'll be around. I'm not going to quit comedy. I'm, I, I would love to have a special on something somewhere. I might even get around to like taping my own special, which is like, <sighs> who wants to hear me talk for that long? <laughs> I want to do a 15 minute special. <laughs> Just get in and get out. Yeah. Like we have this attention spans are so short. Like I, I can do 20 minutes and I'm like, that was good. I feel good about that. But after that, I'm like, I have to do more. It's like sex. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know how y'all get up there without guitars. The, I need to have a thing to hang on to. Cause I'm like, cause I'm worried, you know? Yeah. The, well, you started like that though, right? Did you start out doing comedy or you started out being a musician? No, I started out like, you know, just talking shit between songs, you know, playing, playing mm. music and then like talking, talking shit between songs. The, and then I started like, and then through the Stanhope connection started getting booked at like comedy nights and the uh, open mics and stuff like that. And then I saw people at open mics and I was like, man, I'm fucking funnier than you guys. Like I, I can do that. You know, <laughs> um, oh, you and then I, around, yeah. around a lot of white people. You said that. Wait, wait, say that again. Uh, say you must have been around a lot of white people if you said that. I'm funnier than you guys. I can do better than that. This yeah, is true. I said that a lot too. <laughs> I I will say I will say that one of the best shows I've ever had, definitely the best show I've ever had in Phoenix, 
was your uh, uh, black chicks and pink dicks. The your birthday show. My birthday show, where I was the only the I, I think I, I was the only dude and the only white person uh, on that mm-hmm. show. And the man, it was so rewarding to go back to the green room and walk in, and everybody was like, "Oh." And I was like, oh, man, that's what that feels like. That's yeah. what that feels like to just walk in. And like, oh, oh, there's oh, there's, oh, there's one of them, you know, and then there's another in here. <laughs> yes. And then when I got up there, people just being like, oh, really? And then and then I got them because <laughs> I was like, yeah, th- I, this is me. This is what I look like. I look like a fucking I'm I'm not just white. I'm Canadian. I'm the fucking whitest motherfucker you ever saw. The, um, no, that was that was such a great night. It was so good. I got a lot of flack for the name of that show from so many people. And it's, it's so funny because it's like we literally go on stage and just talk so much shit about white people. It's like the opposite. People thought we would go up there and like celebrate white dudes or some shit. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're being mean. <laughs> but they, those shows were so fun. And I, I actually think about doing more of them, but it's like, where would I do them? And then you and whatever. But I, I'm glad that you had such a good time at my show when you were the diversity hire, you were the affirmative <laughs> action for the night. Yeah, it was Diver- fun. Diversity hire is such a specific, it's like a very polite slur. And thank you so much for applying yes. it towards me. In that, in you that check the context. box. Here is one. Yes. <laughs> Don't sue us. <laughs> Shawna, you got to come back to Phoenix and do the uh, the show in the side yard. Okay. The, How often do you do that side yard show? Whenever well, you want. We're, we're doing it, it uh, doing it once a month. We have uh, Andy Awancio, who's from Seattle. Uh, she's doing hmm. September. Uh, Christine Levine in October. Um, okay. November, December. You want to come down in January when you're uh, when you've served your sentence up there. Yeah, after my birthday, I'll come down to Arizona and do your show. Why not? Awesome. Awesome. When's your birthday? <laughs> your birthday's on Christmas. Christmas. Oh my god. I was uh, telling somebody about you the other day and I was like and I I was like, "Man, fucking why is her her last name Christmas? I, I did she just love Christmas? That's why that's why it is. Your birthday's on Christmas. Oh my god. It's my yeah. birthday. It's all coming yeah, back my birthday starts right after Halloween, so I get 2 months. Of just saying it's Christmas time. So. That's some fucking white girl <laughs> shit right there. Your birthday is your fucking birthday. It's none of this no. birth week. You pick out. You take a whole season. <laughs> I have to compete with Jesus. All right, that's. <laughs> People literally forget that I was born on Christmas because they get presents and shit. They're, they don't care that I was also a part of it somehow. Like, who else gets gifts on your birthday? We need to do like a Christmas show here with you just up on the cross. No. (laughs) That's the Easter show. (laughs) That would be fucking amazing. um, Oh, I can see the write-ups in the the Phoenix Sun Times right now. If they they had a problem with pink dicks, they're going to fucking love that. (laughs) Shauna, I love you so much. Thanks for doing the podcast. Where Yay. where can people find you? Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. It's Shauna Christmas on all things. S H A N N A Christmas. It's the same on all the shit. So um, 
find me there and like my stuff or comment or whatever the fuck the algorithm i don't know i hate all of it but that's where <laughs> i'll be <laughs> awesome shauna you're the best thank you this is so fun i hope you feel better soon too take your time uh no uh, <laughs> <laughs> i tried everybody i tried <laughs> i love you shauna i'll talk to you soon love you too take care folks thank you so much for listening i know there's uh some million podcasts out there we appreciate you uh you spending your time with us the um if you're digging the show if you're enjoying it if you if these conversations uh move you make you laugh annoy you piss you off um please take a minute to uh to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast uh it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it um if you'd like to hear bonus episodes song demos just sort of uh ranting off the cuff uh conversations all sorts of different uh bonus material writing advice uh personal blog posts and stuff like that uh go to patreon.com slash mishka shibali uh we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and i answering uh questions from readers and there's all kinds of good stuff there uh thank you so much for supporting